Chances are high. You've heard of a thought experiment. Simple in nature. An object, a ship, is replaced piece by piece until all of it consists of new material. Can it truly be called the same ship? This week, we asked that question with a bright-eyed young man dragged into a world he can still barely conceive of. His fate and evil unforeseen twisted him into a stumbling beehive on a mysterious quest. We have to ask ourselves where the line lies between the boy he was and the mission he has come to quietly embody. The cults and secret societies of the Spire are numerous, and their victims are even more so. We find ourselves at the feet of that number's next example, a young man we will come to know as Mob. He's just a boy, and little is more horrific than the destruction of innocence in one so young. Yet cruelty knows no boundaries, and the machinations of a drowning world led Mob to become wrapped up forcefully into a plot beyond his immediate understanding. He may be a panacea to that which ails this realm, or he may bring it all down, burning with his well-wrought revenge. A fair warning, dear listeners. This week, we deal with emotional and physical harm to the underaged. The wary of such topics should avoid this tale of tragedy. This week, on Hallowed Shores. handful of years ago, Mob was not the Mob we see today. A different creature entirely. A boy. Definitely not just a sentient pile of bees. A troubled boy, to say the least. Uh, found within the clustered, blood-smeared streets of Ivory Row. Could you tell me a little bit about Mob's life before Mob is very close to his younger brother, Bevy. Uh, the two are nearly inseparable um, in the wake of neither of their parents really uh, paying attention to them. Um, Mob is, you know, he's reserved. Uh, he'll, he'll, you know, he's more of a listener than a, than a speaker. Um, and he and Bevy both will simply sit back as, as, the adults in the room talk and let them choose where where they go in life. So, uh, still has both his parents and everything, right? Yes. Awesome. What do you think his parents did? Or do? Well, what Mob knows they do is, uh, they, they have, you know, a, a relatively unassuming jobs as, uh, can't, can't think of the word, uh, relatively unassuming jobs as clerks, um, at a you know fairly midline uh you know uh, organization uh simple stockbroker kind of deal um but you know they're under under the surface they they're more uh active in in the community especially with their work in a secret organization uh known as the hive mhm so, uh, do you have names for these two? 
Uh, I did. I I I named them Elise, which is the mother, and Franklin, which is the father. Okay. Franklin and Elise. Um. Okay. I I'd like to hear uh, about a moment in Mob's life. What, what was Mob's name, by the way? I think that would be a, a helpful little piece of information. Sure. Mob's original name before he became Mob was Jackson. Okay. So can you give me a moment in Jackson's life? Um, the moment when, when he discovered there was something different about his parents. That sure. they were living a, a double life of sorts. So Jackson, you know, being the observant child he is, um, at, at, at some point uh, just before he turns 12, uh, Jackson is, you know, sitting back, doing some reading, uh, when his parents, uh, you know, leave for a, a business meeting that they said they have to go to. Mob, realizing that he doesn't have enough food for the day, uh, runs out the door after them, uh, going to, you know, ask for some, some, some money to go down to the store and get something to eat really quick. Um, they're, they're already out the door by now, uh, and when he catches up to them, they're getting into, uh, kind of a, a small alleyway, which is definitely not the direction to their, their, uh, original you know current original place of work um and they're kind of you know giving furtive glances around trying to see if anyone's following them uh and they drive off like in, in a hurry as if they are really like going somewhere the the uh the dad franklin is driving and elise in the passenger seat and she's just looking around like as if she's hiding something, stashing something in the glove box. Really just something not as to their usual behavior. Gotcha. And there's there's a brief moment of eye contact with Franklin um, as he definitely sees you and uh, continues anyway. So, when Franklin and uh, Elise returned, did, uh, did Jackson think to confront them about this? Well, <laughs> Uh, Franklin and Elise aren't exactly, uh, the, uh, kindest of parents, let's say. Um, I'm not gonna say they're, uh, you know, they're not doing anything that might hint at their future behavior of, uh, transforming children into, uh, bee children, but they, they, they're kind of cold and distant, right? Um, and I don't think that mob is going to confront them about anything. He, he, he and his father, you know, have some eye contact because they both saw each other uh, doing whatever, whatever they, wherever the parents were going. Um, so they do share some eye contact, but I don't think there's any verbal acknowledgement of, I saw what you were doing. Gotcha. So um, could we say, uh, at the least, while they're gone, do you think Mob could, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Jackson at this point in time uh, was curious at least? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think, I think uh, Jackson is very like curious as to where, where they're going. 
he he's he's you know not quite sure what they're doing but anything that's that secretive because you know they're they're fairly open with what they do in their normal life but uh anything that they they feel that secretive about uh must be something big so how does uh how does jackson express this curiosity is he gonna hunt through a room is he gonna uh you know, what, what is he going to do to satiate this curiosity? So, in the in the in their uh, you know little uh, home, uh, they they have a a couple of rooms. They have one where uh, Franklin and Elise uh, you know sleep, and then one where where Jackson and, and Bevy sleep, um, and. I think that he goes to Bevy and he tells he tells his brother that something is something's up with with their parents. And you know, these two, you know, inseparable, they share everything between each other. Um and then the two of them together will go do some investigation in the parents' room. Uh that works for me. Yeah, I, I think I think Jack's. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I think Bevy uh, kind of smirks when when you bring this up and says, "Okay, Jax, uh, I think I may have an idea." Lead the way. Um, kind of gets up. Uh, Bevy's got on a, a big, stupid pair of overalls that were very much yours at one time. Um, I feel like you're much bigger than Bevy is, though. Uh, you, you probably take after your your father, who's a, a, a fairly large man, and but your mother and her side of the family. Uh, you guys drow? Uh, humans? What, humans. What okay, cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, fairly large man. Your mother's much more slight. Uh, definitely, uh, Bevy takes after her. He uh, scuttles out. You probably have a, a decent-sized home, especially working Ivory Row, and, and humans are uh, a, a rarity um, in terms of being like fixtures in in the spire. Mm-hmm. So if you work here, you know you're you're working here for a reason. Probably working uh, adjacent to the Retro Engineering College, uh, present within the spire. <clears throat> oh shit! Pardon <laughs> me. Uh, so that being said, you probably uh, live in a decent-sized home, even with uh, you know two main bedrooms probably a parlor of some kind probably an entryway uh, what would be considered like middle class so in comparison to the plight of like a lot of the drow and uh, especially any gnolls that managed to sneak under ale fear surveillance uh, it's, it's a decent home bevy yeah scuttles over to a, a bookshelf clearly a family bookshelf uh, where your your father reads you tales of uh, your human heritage and uh, kings of, uh, of, of all the retro engineering tech that uh I feel like in little trinkets and in little whispers still exists around your home. Um, and he points up to a book he cannot reach. I think dad keeps a key in there. A key? Mm-hmm. What, what would he need a key to? Well, they always lock their room. I definitely don't check the handle, but uh, it may open other things. I don't know. Mm, all right. So Mobble or Jackson will reach up and uh, grab the book, flip through it, see if there's any, you know, fake backs to the to the cover or anything like that. Yeah, the moment you try to flip through it, um, yeah, the pages are carved open. There's a hollow in the middle, and there's actually a key ring. There are three keys. Three of them. Whoa. 
Well, at least one of those has to open their bedroom. Hmm. <laughs> Mob. Er, yeah. Jackson would like to. Uh, Jackson would like to investigate uh, the the bookshelf. See if there's any like uh, space behind it for like a secret door or something. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think even with your your meager pubescent strength, uh, you can scooch the bookshelf a little bit. Um, kind of crack it open just to be able to see the back where it hits the wall. And uh, unfortunately, there are, there aren't any doors back there per se. Um, any secret handles? Um, not here at least. Darn, that was my first idea. Okay. Uh, what now? Let's see. All right. So we have parents' room. We have uh, Jackson and Bevy's room. Are there any other? What? What else? Like a living room, a kitchen. Um. Yeah. Definitely a kitchen. I'm, I'm imagining. Uh, just keeping with sort of like the the Victorian nature of of the spire. Uh, definitely a, a sort of parlor area. Um. You know, probably probably a chaise or something. Maybe you guys have like a, a, a the retro engineer wacky variant of like a harpsichord. <laughs> okay. Maybe like a, a a spare room, like a guest bedroom, if we want to add another bedroom in there. Well, whatever these keys must go to is probably in this room. Uh, okay, maybe. Go go look around, see if there's any weird stuff. I don't know what what do keys go to? Chests, doors. Yeah. I mean, Secret that makes sense. Floorboards. Secret floorboards. That'd be cool. Maybe we should check mom and dad's room. Yeah, no, we should definitely check. Check mom and dad's room. One of these keys probably opens the door. So we're gonna go go use use all three keys on the door. See if any of them opens it. Luckily, yeah, the largest key uh, slots into the lock and swings open too. Um, their bedroom. I, I'm, I'm sure as a child you um, perhaps have a memory of, uh, of of entering your parents' room and it just seeming like fucking gargantuan. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like an oversized bed and you're like, why do human beings need this much space for sleeping? <laughs> uh, very, very much the energy of uh, your mom and dad's room. It's it's gargantuan. Uh, their bed is huge. Four posters. Uh, like four poster bed. I don't know what it's called. You know what I'm talking about. Got the mm-hmm. big, got the big uh, drapes on the side. Yeah, uh, yeah, those are. I don't know what are, it's called, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, audience, someone will know. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can see the curtains have been uh, tied, you know, tied to the side clearly so they can get in and out. And massive, massive bureau, uh, where where they keep their clothing. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, a bedroom. In the foot of their bed, however, there is a chest. Told you, chests work with keys. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know. You're what older. You should know. What else would open the chest? Mob, a magic gonna... password. Magic password. Well, I guess there could be a magic password. No, it's probably a key. Mob's gonna take a key, take the other two keys, and see if either of them fit. And again, luckily, one of the keys does indeed fit. The chest latches open, and it opens to. Uh, Avoid. The chest continues down, far, far past the floor, deep enough that um, in the the dim lighting, probably lamp light of your home, uh, you cannot see the bottom. Uh, chests don't normally do that, do they? Definitely no. Should we drop something in? 
Uh, I guess. Looks a little spooky. That's why we're not going in, Bevy. Oh, okay. Mob's Mob's gonna look around, see if there's anything disposable that they won't notice. They won't notice missing. Uh, like a I don't know, piece of trash or something, a pencil. I don't some something they won't notice missing. Uh, yeah. Drop it in the hole. Drop it in the chest. See see if it bounces. Um, I am sure you could find something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, we'll say there's like an old pencil lying about, um, worn down almost to a nub. And uh, yeah, you, you chunk it over the side. Um, down it descends past the, the pool of light. And uh, after not too long, a few seconds, you do hear a clatter down below. This is a big chest. Yeah, it is. You got any light? Um, Not on me. We could probably light a lamp. Hmm. Sounds good. So, yeah, well, I guess kitchen or something, wherever they got a lantern. Uh, see, ooh, mm. We should get get your bed sheets too. We're gonna we're gonna see if we can lower this in. Oh, good idea. And yeah, baby scampers off. Um, you grab a lamp. Quick little montage of like lamp lighting. Sheets, etc. Um, sheets being bundled up and tied, I presume, and then yep. latched to the tied around the, the handle of the lamp. Then lower it in, see see how it looks. Um, yeah, and then down it descends, uh, and uh, yeah, you see that there are handholds riveted on the inside, sort of like you know you're you're looking over the ledge um, closest to you, small. Wooden handholds riveted in after a, a few feet, kind of a body's length, um, just barely covered by the darkness. Um, and eventually it descends into a tunnel that runs both like two directions, essentially one towards your parents' bed, one away, um, sort of directionally. Well, uh, looks like it's a tunnel chest, which was not my first guess. Um, guess I should go down. I mean, the handles are closer to me. You hold the lantern. Oh, but I wanted to go down. Well, you can come down afterwards. Just follow follow me down. Oh, okay, I can do that. Uh, so Mob Jackson is going to descend the handholds. Mm-hmm. You know, try to <laughs> not fall and die. Um, and, uh... Luckily, I'm not one of those... Not one of those jams that makes you roll for climbing a ladder, um, <laughs> as as cruel as I can be. Uh, yeah, you you make it down the handholds fairly well. It'd be hard Bevy to die comes in behind you. Yeah, that would be uh, fascinating, wouldn't it? You're a clone, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, you uh, you make your way down. Bevy follows behind you. Um, when you get to the bottom, uh, you know Bevy's kind of lowered the uh, lower the lamp down. You grab it. He descends, um, and then Bevy says, "I am definitely ready for adventure." I brought a secret. A secret? Let me see, let me see. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, it kind of holds a hand out, keeping it at a distance, and just produces a huge fucking knife. Just a giant fucking honking knife. Whoa. A triangle that looks like it could spear a horse. Where did you get that? I found it in the alleyway. When did you go outside? We know we're not supposed to go far. I have my ways. Oh, you're so bad. 
<laughs> what can I say? Ready, ready for adventure then. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so Bevy kind of holds the the knife like a sword in front of him. Um, I presume you have the lamp. I do have the lamp. Cool. Let's do a little rolling, shall we? All right. Do you want to roll me a delve check? We're in Warrens right now. Unfortunately, that is a failure. Uh, give me a D10 fortune stress. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now, luckily, I mean, it's a tunnel. You can't get that lost. True. Um, but terrifying. Um, did you head uh, sort of towards the bed or away in terms of like directionality? Mm, let's go. Let's go towards the bed. Um, so just with the failure and towards, uh, eventually it, it comes to a sewer. You realize that this leads into the vast and complicated sewer complex of, uh, of the spire. Smells bad. Smells fucking terrible. It's a sewer. But you can clearly tell that this tunnel is, is not a part of the sewer originally. It's been carved. Even kind of your, your child brain can tell that this is a new addition. Um, and you can see this sort of this like sewer nexus of tunnels, um, you can see there actually are a few more of these jagged holes up and down this, this like, you know, again, like sewer tunnel nexus leading to a big pool at the bottom. Some holes leading to, oh, I see. So like a bunch of sewer, like small pools of sewer water kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like these, this is a nexus point for other sewer I pipes. See. So you can okay. see because water is coming in from those, but there are other tunnels like the one you are in. Water is not coming from them and they are clearly carved into the wall um, versus like, you know, a, a, a sort of semi-laid spire concrete pipe. The, the stone of spire is wacky. It's not quite concrete, but yeah, you, you can see the difference. Are there any um, paths leading to those other uh, tunnels or is it, are they separated by the giant pool of sewer? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all separated by the giant pool of sewage in the center there. Okay. Uh, but you can clearly tell that at the bottom of your tunnel, um, there are more handholds hammered into the stone. And on those other tunnels, there are also handholds leading up to them. Great, we're going down. Wait, are we going to climb into the, into the nasty water? I mean, you're ready for adventure, aren't you? I guess... What, would you rather go back the other way? Are you too scared to climb into the sewer water? I'm not scared, that's just gross. Uh, well, if you're so worried, you could go in the other direction. I don't want to go by myself, you have the only lamp. Is this lamp, is this lamp open? Like, would it be extinguished by the sewer water? Uh, you're gonna have to hold it above the water, but it's, it's like... You know, it's 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 open at the top. It's like a classic oil lamp. How tall is? Can I tell how tall the water is? Um, that's a good question. Um, no, I don't think you can. I oh, great, very cool. <laughs> you know, this water might be too high. This it might be it might be too high for us to go in. If since you've made such a good argument, we can go back and check the other side of the tunnel. I mean, if you want to swim and poop and pee, that's on you, big bro. D- Bevy, you can't be so indecisive. Okay, okay, we're going down the other tunnel, jeez. We'll, we will retreat and go back the way the way we came. Back the truck goes. It's a tunnel, you know, one it's way. It's a tunnel. So, uh, it doesn't, doesn't take too long to, to pass the, the entrance to your parents' bedroom in that trunk. Um, and then the other direction you head. Eventually, ending in a shrine. You can kind of immediately tell it's a shrine. There are burnt candles, uh, none of which have been lit in a little while, obviously. 
Um, and there is uh, a sigil carved in the wall. Uh, this is just sort of a, uh, clearly a carved out little alcove. You can hear the wind whipping through some holes, and you can tell that this has actually been carved right up against the wall of the spire. Um, clearly it meant to let fresh air in, maybe, or something. All the holes are hexagonal, and the sigil carved, not all the way through, just uh, etched, I should say, into the wall, is something like a honeycomb, in the center of which is a blue flame, very simply rendered with two small tendrils at the top. Uh, it's clearly been painted uh, with uh, with something fairly thickly pigmented, because it is bright blue. When the light hits it, it almost shines. In front of it is a series of bones, a small pile gathering up uh, essentially at the foot of this etched sigil. You can see dark brown stains, so whether or not your childish mind would recognize these is one thing, uh, but for our audience, of course, this is dried blood. What is this? Uh, something very spooky, Jax. I, I don't know. Well, there's only one way to find out. You got your knife ready? Always. Time to do some some investigating. Mob's just gonna to poke around, see if there's anything you know, visually interesting, besides the, you know, blue flame honeycomb sigil, uh, mm-hmm. you know, does this, does this, uh, shrine have any indentations or any, uh, you know, notches that you can push or pull or anything at all? Yeah. <laughs> My D&D is showing. Uh, discern. Oh, I, I have believe. that one. All right. Fantastic. Uh, give me a little, give me a little discern check. Uh, you are in a cult now. Oh, I have that too. <laughs> Ah, uh, perfect. Jeez Louise. That's a crazy roll. Um, fantastic. You know what? Fuck it. Yeah, there is. Uh, you, you, you mess around for a little bit. You know, I think Bevy actually ends up spotting it. Wait, wait, wait. Jax, look at this. Look at this. Huh? And he points to, he points to underneath the flame. This part, it, it comes off. Whoa, good find. He kind of starts trying to wedge the knife underneath it. I can't get it. Can you help? Mob w- or Jackson will will lend his aid. And yeah, you guys manage to wiggle the blade in between the wall and this blue flame, and it pops off. Um, and behind it is a uh, is exactly like a small little indentation, a uh, uh, a sort of hidden compartment. Um, and there's a vial. I I guess this is something. What's in it? Mob takes the vial. Jackson takes the vial and uh, gives it a look. See if there's anything inside. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of sunlight coming through these holes on, on the side of the alcove. Um, and, of course, you have a lamp. Yeah, we have the lamp. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can see that there is a, sort of a almost a purplish tint to the substance. It's clearly very thick. I don't know, but it's purple and gooey and oozy, and have you seen anything like that? Uh, let me see. And he snatches the vial from you. Hey, careful! And pops off the top there. Smells it. Uh, it smells like honey. 
Honey's not purple. Yeah, I I don't know. Purple honey, I guess. Well, time to keep the purple honey. <laughs> All right. But this is a dead end, so I, unless you found anything else, it looks like we're going to have to go into the sewer water. Ugh, I don't want to go into the sewer water, Jax. What did I say before? You can go home if you don't want to come. I'll take my purple honey and I'll go into the sewer. <laughs> Adventure. <laughs> Mom and Dad should be getting home soon. We don't want to get caught inside their spooky chest. And we broke into their room. Uh, yeah. I guess that's true. But we don't, we don't know where they went. We don't know how long it'll take them to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And then your eye catches something. In the back of that sigil, that little alcove where you've taken the purple honey, there's a tiny, tiny hole. Almost, almost like a keyhole. Wait a second. It's not a dead end. Take the third key. Put it in the keyhole. Yeah, it, it, it turns. You're clicking. And you hear the clicking spread along the sigil, like there's some mechanism behind it. And then the whole thing jacks back and slides down, revealing not another chamber, but the open sky. Um, so I may have been wrong. I don't think that's a room. <laughs> And you can see, uh, there is a very thin, just barely thick enough for a foot ledge just outside this that runs along the wall of the spire. Can I see where it leads? Uh, it seems like it, you know, the, the, the spire is fairly curved, but it's fucking gargantuan. Um, so, yeah, it clearly leads a ways to the right. It doesn't, doesn't go left. Okay. If you're worried about mom and dad coming back soon, then you can go back and, you know, tell them whatever. I'm going to keep following this ledge thing. I can't let you do it alone. <laughs> I know you can't. So guess who's coming with me? <sighs> Fine. Let's just be quick, okay? I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, okay. Mob will... I keep saying mob. Jackson will, will start a, along the, uh, the ledge. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's... Uh, I won't make you roll for this. It, it takes a second, and uh, it's horrifying. Um, I mean, you're on a city that's about a mile high... And uh, Ivory Row is pretty fucking up there. Um, it's not at the tippy top, but it's pretty damn close. Um, so, you know, you're probably taller than the Burj Khalifa. Um, pretty sure that's what the building's called. Tallest building in the world as of now. Um, well higher than that. So, uh, yeah, several hundred feet. You fall from this height, uh, you're not just going to die. You are not going to be recognizably human at the bottom. Um, or anything, really. You're going to be a pile of meat. Uh but uh, nonetheless, childhood bravery uh, manages to scoot you along this edge for a while. And uh, eventually, it leads you to another shrine 
This time, not into a chamber, it's, it's recessed against the wall of the spire. It's the same sigil, much, much larger. And the same kind of sacrificial altar, uh, again, much larger, this time with seats around it. And as you turn the corner, there's somebody there. Jackson would like to, uh, you know, you know how to do, do the do the little Scooby-Doo peek, peek around the corner, see, see if he can hear anything, see anything. Um, yeah, okay, just give me, give me a sneak. Sneak. Are we still in a cult? You're still in a cult, yeah. Alright, that is two. Let's hope I keep the same luck. What if I didn't? <laughs> what if I what if I didn't keep the good luck? Uh well let's see, shall we? Could you give me another D10 of fortune? I sure can. Nice. Bring you to a solid ten, I believe. I love fallouts. Yes, you do. That is a major fortune fallout. Great. You do your little your little your little Scooby Doo peek. And you you certainly see something. Uh, you see a woman. She's in a, a white dress. It's got a high cowl. Hangs over her head, so you can't see much. But you can see her red braid sprawl over her shoulder. It's wrapped behind the cowl, and she's flipped it over, uh, clearly to do some kind of work. Her hands are doused in a purple, sticky substance, and she's dragging them along the contours of this sigil. And you see that the flame thing in the center, um, this one doesn't look like a false little, uh, uh, you know, cover. It seems to be moving, dancing in the sunlight. She's smearing the sigil in this purple substance, and chanting in some very, very strange language. Lots of uh, sharp consonants mixed in with clicks and harsh, harsh sounds. And suddenly, she stops. And a single bee creeps out from the bottom of her dress and floats on over to you guys. It lands gently on your arm. And stings. Uh. Ow! Ow, 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 ow. Yeah, it's like a bee sting at first. You see the, the bee is odd. It has a glyph marked along its back. Um, and when it pops its stinger out, unlike a normal bee, it doesn't collapse to the ground, um, you can see it's a fat bee. The stinger begins to regrow. And the one in your arm burrows, almost self-directed, into your flesh, underneath it and a welt immediately begins to raise a purple tint underneath the skin. Bevy looks horrified. Uh, your uh, vision begins to get a little strange, and you suddenly feel very compelled to walk towards this woman. Well, who am I to say no to a compulsion? Uh... Jackson <clears throat> kind of, you know, drunkenly walks out uh, out of cover uh, and 
sidles up to her. Wait, Jax, wait, Jax, no, 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 no. And, and Baby kind of stumbles behind you. Uh, the woman is not turned from her work and begins to speak to the sigil, but clearly to you. Hello, my children. You found yourself in a strange little place. You must be Franklin and Elise's kids, aren't you? Uh-huh. I'm Jax, and this is my brother. Yeah, I'm... I'm Bevy. Well... It's a pleasure to meet you two. You've caught me in the middle of some... Very important work. I get the feeling... She tilts her head just enough to see her smile. Lipstick stained. You're not supposed to be here. Uh... No, no. Uh... We're fine. Your parents were protecting you from this, you know. We've been asking to meet you for a long time now. Asking to meet us? What for? We don't know any about your weird purple goo and drawings and ledges. Ah. Uh, well, you will in time. Very quickly. And then suddenly... You're scuffling from the ledge again. You can now see there's several of these ledges, handholds, several different spiraling ways to get to this uh, this bizarre little, almost like a stage. And uh, from the same one you came from, however, Franklin rounds the corner. What in the world? <sighs> Boys. Are you kidding me? The woman chuckles to herself. <laughs> You're a little late, Franklin. Seems your children have discovered our little secret. Jackson, what have you done? Dad, what's going on? Why, why is there a strange lady and purple stuff and sigils. Jackson, this is not supposed to be something you're meant to find. You're the one who looked, who went sneaking out somewhere. I just had to go f see what, what, what was going on. And unfortunately, you found something else. An ace, please. <laughs> uh, 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 Franklin. I've already marked him. Please. Just the one, though. I told you. We all have to make offerings. No. You can make one. And he is rife for the offering. Please. Anais, he's just a boy. Yes. He is just a boy. So fresh. So... untainted 
by this world, he will make a glorious vessel. In fact, I think he might be the vessel. <laughs> she finally turns around, um, and you can see her skin is pocked with honeycomb hexagonal holes, and bees begin to crawl from her face, from her neck, from her exposed collarbones. I'm not asking, Franklin. You will give the boy to me, and if you cooperate. Perhaps I won't take the other one. After your last failure, it is the least you can do. Franklin looks down at you. And for the first time in your life, quite possibly, uh, you see your father cry. I'm sorry, Jackson. Betty? Come here. What? No, I, I'm not gonna leave. <laughs> you better listen to what your father is saying. You might want to leave. You don't want to be here for this. Dad? Bevy, where are you going? Young man. You might want to convince your brother to go. They won't want to watch this. Watch what? What's going on? You're going to join me, young man. You see, she sits down and cradles your face in her hands. Your father is a part of a special group. We call ourselves the Hive. We're... We're all very special friends who have a common goal. Making the world better. More orderly. You see, your father... Well... He's a small member. He's not willing to fully commit to what one needs to to be, to become the kind of member I am. And more bees crawl from her crevices. You, however, you can. You can be a very, very special boy and work with our little group of friends to do something very important. What? What's the important thing? You are going to save the spire. You've noticed, correct? The the rain of sorts, that sickly fluid that runs in the canals now. Sometimes our drinking water becomes completely untouchable. Probably seen your parents boil it, correct? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's a hole, young man. There's a hole at the bottom of our home. And something is leaking from it. We know how to plug the hole. And you, she kind of boops your nose will be our cork. Why won't you just leave us alone? Why do you need me? You come from a fascinating little family, young man, that's why. And 
because your father owes us deeply. So unfortunately, you owe us by default, as it's not something he can pay us himself. Isn't that right, Franklin? And at this point, Franklin's come and put a hand on Bevy, who's kind of fighting him. And he's like, where the hell did you get that knife? Um, and trying to stop him from swinging it. Leave me alone! Calm down, Bevy, calm down. Jackson, I'm sorry. You have to do as she says. Jackson uh, looks looks from his father to to the lady to to Anais. I believe you said her name was. Uh, yeah, Anais. Yeah. Anais, and uh, seeing no other option, he he puts his hands up. It's like, fine, fine, I'll do it. Just leave Bevy out of this. I can promise he won't be a part of this, as long as you don't fail us. Fine. I'll be your cork. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Franklin, run. You don't have to come to the ceremony tonight. I give you that grace. Franklin picks up crying again and picks up Bevy, who's fighting and kicking. Throws him on his shoulder. Gives one long look at Aeneas, and then one long look at you. I'm sorry, son. And begins to make the trek back along the wall. Bevy screams, grabbing the edge of the wall, trying to pull himself back. Holds out a hand and yells out your name one last time. Jackson waves to him, tries to put on a, a brave smile, brave face, and watches him go. And he's pulled back. You can still hear him screaming and fighting with your father, but of course not as desperately. No, he used to fight too hard. They're both kind of plummeted their deaths, so he calms down to some degree. Anais. Anais gestures to your pocket. Some bees fly from her hand and enter the, uh, the, the area she's pointing to. You can feel them rustling and wriggling against the vial you found. I believe you have something of ours. I, yeah, I, I found a, a vial of the goo that you have. It's Honey, child. I need you to consume it. To what? Consume it. It's just honey. It's sweet. You'll like it. Jackson thinks about, uh, <laughs> insisting that honey's not purple, but, uh, decides it's probably not in his best interest, and, uh, open wide <laughs> yeah takes a little while I mean drinking honey it's not yeah. the simplest task yeah thick um, it does taste like honey though 
Um, strangely enough, not too far off. Uh, it's, it's pungent. It's like it's strong. If you're at like local honey, it's, it's like got a fairly intensive flavor. Um, but there's there's a tinge to it, something almost meaty, something a little bit too um, yeah, like umami than you expect from from just raw honey. Takes a second to get down, uh, but eventually it does, and you feel your vision blur. She takes your face in her hands again. So it begins, child. You're about to be reborn. What a blessed place that is to be. Before you lapse into something like a dream, know you came at a perfect moment. We had another. She was going to be our cork. But one descended from your stock, vastly preferable. You saved another life today along with your brothers. Our little hero. She pats you on the face. Now, lapse. And so you do. Jackson's vision fogs, tinges purple, creeps in from the edges, and out you go. A series of nightmares and dreams begin to flash and bubble. And uh, you begin to get pieces of consciousness. You, you waver in and out. And you find yourself mounted. Uh, it's not clear how, um, but it's clearly painful. You're in the center of that flame, the blue flame on the massive sigil against the wall. Um, night begins to fall in the distance. The wind is still whipping. And people begin to arrive. People in similar white garbs. Not dresses, but uh, very similar cowls as to uh, Anais. Anais. And they fill up this small circle of seats. But you can see two are empty. And uh, you feel excruciating pain. Pain no child should endure. You can feel your body burning creeping down from your fingertips, up from your toes. It's like your flesh is burning off and replacing itself, and something hard and calcified is slowly beginning to replace it. And in the later parts of these visions, you begin to feel creeping. Like something's inside of you. Left to right, your eyes manage to scan and see that there is indeed something creeping inside of you. Bees. Hundreds of them. You can feel them wriggling about in your guts as they slowly begin to change. And the wet softness that they're climbing on turns into something harder and stranger. Waxen. Piece by piece, you become... Something changed. Jackson's in there, somewhere. But whatever you've been recreated into now takes full precedence. You're a monster. Of a kind. And a young one at that. Eventually, it ends. You awaken. And you're somewhere else entirely. It's dark. Dimly lit. And standing over you, 
for one brief moment, you pretty much paralyzed, learning slowly how your new body operates as your father. And for the second time, you see him weep. Beside him is your mother. And behind them is Aeneas. She's not smiling anymore. She seems sadistic, but even she doesn't seem to be taking pleasure in this. They exchange words briefly and leave. Aeneas walks over to your bedside. You're on a slab, but equivalent to a bedside. The ritual is complete. Your parents were the first to see you outside of myself, though a large part of the ritual is, of course, done before our fellow members. You've taken to the change perfectly. Can you speak? Um, uh, uh, yeah. Ch change? What change? Bees? Yes. You are filled with our holy choir. They are like bees. It is easier to simply call them bees, that's for certain, but they are agents. Agents of order. Some among these parts call them the agents of the deep apiarists. A sect of bizarre sorcerers of a kind from within the heart. Do you know what the heart is, young man? Body parts? No. Not that heart. The thing that sits beneath the spire. I don't know anything about it. Haven't been below spire. Hmm. Well, it's a horrible place. And the deep apiarists claim to be creatures of order in a world of chaos. It's a strange affliction, that's for certain. We are something of an offshoot. Apiarists that have decided that we, well... We have a better idea, not to fight with the heart, but to harness the chaos that it represents. We have hijacked these agents, the holy choir, and we've repurposed them using the substance you've consumed. You must consume divine honey. If you do not, you will lose control of these agents, and as such, you will lose yourself and whatever is left of you. Do you understand? Yes. Where do I get divine honey we'll give it to you and in return you will give us information piece by piece you are going to discover exactly where you need to go within the heart to plug up the hole you have a mission that mission is to gain any information you can on the corpse of Lemya. it is our hole the dead goddess perhaps you've heard of her the reason why the Icar now drowns this world. I know a little bit, but only stories. Good. <clears throat> You'll find that this transformation has adjusted your memory. Your recall should be all but perfect. As such, you will gather information and report back. The way you will report back is via the same messengers that will deliver the divine honey. If you fail to report back to the messengers, so stop your divine honey shipments, and your brother becomes the next in line. Do you understand? Yes. Just leave Bevy alone. Do as you've been tasked, and you will find your wishes granted. You will take a new name, Mob. <laughs> Simple. You will find in the corner of this chamber a pack, prepared gear for you, some food, and a letter. You are to deliver it to a cafe 
in Derelictus, the bottom of Spire. There, you will find somebody that we've hired to escort you. Der- Derelictus. Okay. The cafe is called Spitz's. It's a small, wretched place, but there, you will find who you are looking for. He's a man known as Setson. He is driven in a similar way. His organization had ties to ours once upon a time. I don't know if he remembers it any longer. All that matters to you is that he keeps you safe. He's... he's strong, then? Very. Okay. I'll... I'll go find... Setson. At the... at the cafe. Good. Now, I leave you, mob. And let me warn you, do not attempt to contact your family. We will know. They are not your family anymore. Not now. We are. Understood. Now, mob, it's time for you to descend. Farewell. Until we meet again. So, Derelictus. The bottom of the spire, the top of the heart. It's a a transitory space. Uh, And uh, it has a bevy of... uh, (laughs) Uh, it has a bevy of, of varying little cafes and shops, uh, all barely hanging on by a thread. Uh, typically all staffed by people either uh, too insane to make it on the spire proper or uh, purposefully hiding in a place where they know that the upper crust are not exactly going to creep their way down into. So we find ourselves in a little cafe, a place called Spitzes. Uh, why are you here, Setson? I come back here from time to time, you know. It's kind of homey, you know. This time, it's for a little more than nostalgia, but business, you know. I was told to be here through, you know, the regular means that mysterious people usually contact me under, but of course, this time seems to be a little different. This time, I would be receiving help. Exactamundo. So the guy running the counter, mustachioed guy, tall, um, fairly bulky. You know him as Sven. You know his uncle once ran this place, and now he's inherited it. The eponymous... Spitz is pretty much never seen, uh, and uh, Sven you know, welcomes you in with a, with a with a little wave. Well, what can I do for you today, Setson? Oh, you know, just the usual. It's uh, of course. Yeah. Don't uh, don't mind me if I'm sitting here for a bit afterwards. Uh, I'm waiting to uh, meet up with somebody. Hmm. Who are you meeting up with? Uh, not exactly a friend, not exactly a business partner. Well, sounds fun. As long as there is no violence involved, you're welcome to stay as long as you'd like. Business is slow today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I could never uh, bring a fight in here, you know? This is a sacred place. I appreciate it. I like to think so, too. My uncle would appreciate your respect. Pours your drag. Slides it your way. Setson takes it and uh, walks casually down to 
a seat a little further ways into the establishment, a little out of the way. Nice. And uh, you sat there for a little while. Mob, you probably poke around, ask directions. Uh, surprisingly left alone by people. Um, and by surprisingly, and by surprisingly, I mean not at all. You're a boy made of bees. Uh, and people don't fuck with deep apiarists near the heart. Uh, but you do manage to get directions eventually to Spitz's, and uh, you tumble up to see uh, a surprisingly well-kept brick building, still dingy, I mean, by spire standards, but by heart standards, glorious. You approach slowly. There's nobody else inside of this building except the bartender, and uh, he eyes you as you enter. Uh, are you lost, little boy? Uh... No, no, I, I'm supposed to be here. This, this is Spitz's, right? Yes, this is Spitz's. Uh-huh. Are you sure, uh, you, you're sure you're in the right place? Yeah, no, I, I'm supposed to be meeting a, uh, a, a Setson? Is that, well, is that you? No, <laughs> I'm Sven, I run this bar. You are looking for, uh, that guy over there in the corner. Mob. Mob, uh, mob takes a takes a look, looks looks back and forth. Okay, uh, thank you, Mister Sven. And uh, waddles on over to the to the corner to the corner booth. So a child approaches you, Setson. <laughs> I know, I know. A lot of people must have asked you this by now, but you wouldn't happen to be lost, would you? Um. No, I, you know, it never gets old when people ask me that. Uh, no, I'm supposed to be looking for you, I think. Are you Setson? Uh, last I checked, I was. Then it is you. It is me. Wait a minute, you're the guy. Yeah, that, yeah, uh-huh, uh, that's me. Um, my name's J- Mob. Um, I, I'm supposed to give this to you. He, uh opens the pack and uh hands hands him the letter a letter it's a little odd yeah um the lady who um uh sent me here was kind of vague she liked being mysterious i for one am a fan of the vague and mysterious but i don't usually get letters from people like that or do i no i i'm i'm kidding um, have a seat, eh? Uh, don't don't just you know stand there for forever. Mob hops up on the on the seat, <laughs> dangles his legs. Uh, Setson's gonna open up the letter and read it. In short, it's uh offering you money, quite a bit of money, more than even the initial job claimed. That this is something like an escort job. You need to protect this child. He has a mission that you are not allowed to know. That is for Mob's ears only. However. On top of the riches, it claims that if Mob is allowed to uh, complete his missive, he will not only be given these riches, he will be given information about your past. Was there was there something surprising in the letter? I, I didn't read it. Yeah, uh, there were there are a few things that, um, you know, would would definitely try to tip my hand. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it just covered me over the basics. Um, apparently you got a mission that I'm not allowed to know about, and I have to basically protect you while you do this. Luckily, you got some of the best in the business. What what business? I don't know, the business of fighting, I guess? I mean... Works for me! 
I mean, anything that requires me to, you know, throw a few punches, I'm pretty good at. Whoa, how good? I want to see, I want to see. Oh, I mean, I don't have anything to punch at the moment, but... Do it right now, punch that guy, he points at Sven. <laughs> hey, I can't, I... What? I can't hurt Sven, dude. Mm, well, there's lots of people to punch outside. I'll, I'll make you a deal, alright? If, if I punch something, I will make sure that you're the first person to see it. Okay. Deal? Deal. So, then we, we cut, and, uh... We see a little moment in the future. Uh, first, we get a, a brief little montage. Uh, wh- where do you think you you live at this time, Setson? Can you give me a description? Because, of course, Mob's going to crash there for a little while. Um, It's a place no bigger than, I would say, one room. <laughs> um, It's an overly large shed with a, a single bed. Um, a chest full of, like, the few possessions that he still has, and, uh, a cork board on the wall full of little papers. So, uh, yeah, Mob, you, this is your, your new home for a while. I guess you probably get a pallet on the floor. And, uh, after, sweet. Uh, after a little bit of, of living there, a few days of small meals and uh, small talk, uh, there's a tussle outside. You can clearly hear it. Um, presume you guys would go to, to see what's happening to find uh, a fairly uh, hefty man uh, doing what I can only describe as bullying a merchant, a guy with a massive pack hanging over his shoulders like the mask merchant from Majora's Mask, um, and uh, attempting to cajole this guy for something or another oh man hey uh hey mob you Uh you remember that deal I made you you're gonna punch him yeah we don't uh, take kindly to people like that eh that's right bullying is bad good good for you they uh seem to have instilled a some good morals in you, kid. All right, I'll show you how it's done. So, uh, Setson's gonna sort of stride up to the guy bullying the merchant and uh, give him a quick tap on the shoulder. Hey, buddy. Huh? Uh, you wouldn't happen to be, you know, available for a moment, would you? Because I think my fists have an appointment with your dumb-looking face. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, okay. So, why are you bullying this merchant? What uh, reason could a dumb fucking idiot like you have to bother somebody as innocent as this? <laughs> Look, he owes my employer money. Call me a dumb fucking idiot? Who the hell are you? Well, nobody to some, but to you... My name's Setson, and I, uh, don't exactly take kind of violence in these parts, unless it's, like, me beating up somebody like you. I feel like that could have been briefer. Yeah, it could have. You tell him, Setson! I could have just, you know, done this, and I, uh, and I'm gonna punch him in the face. <laughs> sure, give me a roll. An eight. You punch him in his fucking face. <laughs> How was that one? That's a five. Yeah, he's out cold. Thanks. 
uh, gives the guy's unconscious body a kick, and then uh, jostles off with his giant backpack. And Mob, you got your punch. Mob is uh, absolutely thrilled about seeing this this punch. He's, you know, off to the side, like, clapping his hands, cheering. Whoa, that was awesome! I, I took care of what uh, I needed to take care of. And a little man scampers across the street very quickly towards you. Uh, pardon me. P- pardon me. Hello. Uh, this guy's in. This guy's in sort of a, a half-assed incarnadine robe that's been split down the sides, uh, clearly over just some hunter's garb. Hello. Uh, that was an awfully impressive punch. I'm uh, working for the illustrious. Kind of does a, a half-hearted gesture. Doman Blight. I'm currently looking for people to uh, work for. Does the same half-hearted gesture. Doman Blight. Uh, strong-looking people, and, uh, you're some of the first that don't look like you'll kill me on sight. I am wondering if you're willing to take this business card. Alright. It's just a business card, you know? Just some contact information for some future work. Exactly, yeah. You're not trying to trick me, are you? Nope, I'm just very scared. Scared of... scared of... people? Just scared in general, not really used to talking to people. I don't know why I was hired to do this exactly, but what are you gonna do? Are you scared of bees? Absolutely scared of bees. Noted. Bee, like, crawls out of Mob's eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, hold on, wait. Uh, well, I'm not comfortable here. We'll just take the business card, and Setson just takes it out of the guy's hand. Excellent. My name's Wesley. On that business card is going to be a meet-up place and date here inside Derelictus. You want to come help me out? Please help me out. Uh, you, you're going to want to meet here. Um, we'll give you money. And then upon completion of the task, my employer will give you money. Maybe I can finally get out of that dump. All right, a deal's a deal. Ah, he gives kind of a, a strange bow. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Please come. And he, he uh, begins to make his way down the street, uh, looking left and right a lot. He's nice. Yeah, alright. Are you scared of bees, Setson? I mean, Setson stares for a moment. No, why do you ask? Wanna see some bees? Before, before Setson can, can, before Setson can <laughs> answer. Mob's Mob's hand just kind of gets covered in bees. Like bees start pouring out of his out of his arm. Just like look at this. What the? Cool, right? Those uh, those are um a bunch of bees you got in your hand. Are you sure that's safe? I mean, it's safe. It wasn't very safe when it happened, but that's why I tell myself it's cool. So it's cool. Okay, it's. Cool, for the record. I will acknowledge this as cool. Yay! Okay. Setson kind of tries not to look at the bees, but he really <laughs> can't take his eyes off of that one hand. And uh, we, we see this, this shot of, of Setson desperately trying to not look at Mob's bees, a knocked out man, and a business card. And back you guys go. Into the little shack where it all began. Uh, 
As always, my friends, thank you so much for listening. This is the secondary interlude on Hallowed Shores. We're going to be making our way through all our main characters, of course. And next up is Marceline's past I think you'll all be very fascinated to get a peek into. Next week, our break, but of course the week after. Or, of course, if you're listening in order, in a few seconds, we'll be returning to the City of Gold and the chaos that we'll find there. I hope you didn't find any of this material particularly difficult. I understand that sometimes children and their place in narratives can be tricky to handle, especially when violent, destructive wills are involved, but I assure you we will always handle our characters and each other at the table with as much care as we possibly can. Thank you for listening, my friends, and safe travels.